Hello and welcome. Ladies and gentlemen, how are you? I know it. I've been on this less and less. I've had a lot of distractions. Not really bad ones, great ones, actually. But I'm a little inspired to talk about something today other than Queen. This is not a Queen deep dive, nor is it about music, although I imagine that will sneak its way into the discussion as it always does. I want to talk about something (laughs) that I've been watching if you will, (laughs) kind of imagine that meme with like someone with popcorn. Because deep down, I don't, I'm kind of indifferent about this, but it has sparked some thought within me as to the way things change and the way things change in response to the world and the way that the world was changed initially because of the thing. All right, so stick with me here. This whole thought process was inspired by the potential implosion of Twitter, of course, which has been discussed and and people have been anticipating perhaps may happen in light of what's happened with the platform and many people leaving, being laid off, quitting, etc. So the whole thing with this podcast episode, it's not the same. It's not the same. And that goes for everything, especially social media. And I I want to talk about Twitter and the history of Twitter a little bit. So you get a little perspective on where I'm coming from and perhaps other people who've been on the platform for over a decade. All right. So my journey with Twitter has been probably more lengthy and robust than some. And I do think I do think that the hate for Twitter didn't really start until a certain someone started to use it as their huge sounding board and their megaphone for all thoughts and ideas they had. Okay, I, I, I really do think that the sentiment around toward Twitter shifted very much because of that, okay? Because before that, you guys, Twitter was kind of amazing. All right, let's, so let's go backwards a little bit. When I first joined Twitter, it's funny, I can't remember if it was 2007 or 2009, but I do remember why, and here's why. I had fallen in love with Neil Diamond's work, like just out of nowhere. I had fallen in love with his whole discography and his collection, and I was looking on his website, and embedded on his homepage toward the bottom was a Twitter feed, and I'm like, what's that? What is that? I think I'd heard of Twitter, but I hadn't strongly considered it as a platform where I needed to be, and you guys know I'm very picky about where I go. But this thing, Twitter, Neil Diamond had a profile on it. And he was sending messages out to people on it, and it was public. And so I go, I I click on it, I look at the actual platform itself, I'm like, wow, so you mean I can respond to Neil Diamond? Like, without even being part of a fan club or or getting a P.O. box or something through some, some contracted entity that he works with, I can actually say something to the man? Sign me up. I was, I was totally on board with this. Neil Diamond is the reason I joined Twitter. And my very first tweet was sending him a congratulatory, that's awesome, for his new granddaughter. And her name is Charlie. <gasps> Boom. I didn't even have to think about it. I was just like, 
What a lovely name for a little lady. Congratulations. I said something like that. He never responded, but I didn't care. It was amazing just to know that perhaps amongst the thousands of fans, perhaps he saw that. Okay. Now, what proceeded to happen with me and Twitter? I cultivated this following and this vibe that was all about sunshine and happy things. And I didn't really force it. It just kind of happened. Every Friday, I would do the follow Friday thing and I would share some image or quote that was all about sunshine and goodness and happiness. That was kind of my thing. And you guys, Twitter, it brought amazing things into my life and for my music career. If I hadn't been on Twitter, I never would have had a song played on the radio in San Diego. If I hadn't been on Twitter, I never would have got in touch with that agent who gave me help and advice free of charge because he believed in my work. If I hadn't been on Twitter, I never would have reconnected with those people that I was, I was a part of on God's DJs when I was doing all these collaborations and I suddenly got in touch with all these people again. Twitter was a networking, it, it was this mega networking site where you could get in touch with people who were in the same industry, trying to do what you were doing, who could help you. It was incredible what happened to my world when I got on Twitter. That is the Twitter that I know and love and miss greatly because, of course, as we know, it's not really like that anymore. It's kind of been hijacked and been changed. It's not the same that was years ago. I had so many great experiences there. I met so many fantastic people there who were willing to give me advice and help me. I got gigs because of Twitter. That never happened before. It was amazing. And anyway, I like to think about that when I think about Twitter. But you know, it's not the same. Nothing about it is the same. And I started thinking about how it happened and why. And again, how it informed the use of social media in general. Everything, there's an ebb and a flow to everything. There's a shift to the way we use things. And I was talking to a colleague a few weeks ago, and I don't know what got us on the subject of social media, but we were talking about the use of it. And she said that personally, she closed down virtually every profile everywhere, and she foresees there is going to be a massive shift in the way we use social media. And I think it's already beginning to happen. The purpose of it is changing. The tone of it is changing. A lot of people are leaving for good. A lot of people are limiting where they are or how long they stay on something or what they say or what they share. A lot of people are being, I think, much more subconsciously strategic perhaps, than they used to be. And I, I'm not here to bash social media. You guys know, if you've listened to my other podcast about this subject, that I champion the positive use of it, and there is a place for it. There still can be, and I think there still should be. There's no way we're ever going to completely shut down this thing. It may change, but I think it's always going to be there, and there's always going to be a use for it. But all of this shift in Twitter especially got me thinking about this. So it used to be this wonderful networking platform that honestly, I'm still on it, but I rarely look at it. And if I do, I'm usually sharing my latest podcast episode or something about my music. I'm never looking at the home feed. If I ever look at trending topics, it's very, very limited. And I certainly never fall into a black hole of, I got to read about this or I got to see all of these comments because it is true there's a lot of animosity there. 
And people like to call Twitter out as this place that's really dysfunctional. But I think it's a lot of perspective. I would tell you that I feel the same way in some ways about other social media platforms, that they're very dysfunctional and they're very toxic. And again, I think it's all perspective and how we use the platforms. There are some people I know that absolutely still love Facebook, right? They, they love it. They love it. They use it because they talk to their families there. They talk to their friends there. It's the only place where some of them get a chance to reconnect with people they knew decades ago. And I think that's why a lot of people of the older generation do still use it a lot because it's this thing that suddenly, you know, they're comfortable with it now. It's always typical that the younger kids adopt things first and then older generations follow. I think that's the way it usually works. And sometimes platforms succeed on a massive scale, like Facebook, aka Meta, did. And others, that just doesn't happen. Like Snapchat. I, I don't know. <laughs> Honestly, I don't use it. And I, I don't know if I know any people older than me that use it either. So it's interesting how some platforms... They're universally relevant and, and anyone and everyone can use it and enjoy it. But it is interesting to me that, you know, you have people who absolutely hate things like Twitter or Facebook. And I mean, I'm not even keen personally about Facebook. I, 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 I've had a love-hate relationship with a lot of these platforms over the years. I've always liked Instagram because you can share images and you can share video there. And of course now video reels, it's just starting to take over, right? Because video is always going to grab more attention. It's exactly why music videos became more important than the music itself. I will tell you right now that I swear half the songs that top the charts would not be there if it weren't for the music video. We all know that a very powerful, impacting, or controversial music video is going to get more spins on that song, and people are going to pay attention, and it's going to go up the charts. It's marketing. It's just how it works. And so it's like when I, when I read stuff about how the boys in Queen would talk about how they weren't really keen on the music video at first. They, they almost... The birth of MTV almost came from pretty much Bohemian Rhapsody, which a reminder was done as a last minute promotional idea because the guys were going to be leaving, right? That they didn't have time to, to do performances to promote Bohemian Rhapsody and all this like they wanted to. So th this, this video was a means to create that performance and share it. And I don't think any of them ever thought that this video that was done within a matter of hours was going to explode like it did and create a generation of music like it did, okay? So yeah, video is powerful. It's taking over everywhere, including social media. That's a whole nother thing, how it's changed the landscape of social media. And I don't really wanna talk about just social media, but that's where, where we're at right now, talking about Twitter and other platforms. It's like Facebook. You know, when it first started, as a college exclusive platform, it wasn't like it was, right? It, it was used to connect and basically show your relationship status. That was, I think, the number one thing that college kids used it for. And then it was opened to everyone, and then it started to shift. And there was a golden moment there where all was right with the world, and algorithms weren't algorithms that buried your organic content so much, right? You didn't have to pay to get noticed. 
I still remember that when I could share something on Facebook and I could get a great response and I didn't have to pay anything to get that attention. But oh, the money, money talks, power talks. This is what people want. So eventually the algorithms took all the power and you have to start paying to get any attention on your content. It's tough out there. And I think that sort of began to, let me be clear. I understand the necessity of that, but it began to taint the world of social media. It began to shift how we were digesting content, how we were perceiving it, how we were getting it. Because algorithms change not just how you share things, but what you see. You remember, do you still have to go in there and change your feed to chronological or following? Yeah. Yeah, I'm like that too. I don't, I don't want to see just the most popular stuff. I want to see everything. If it takes me longer to see it all, then so be it. I, I want that power to say, look, just show me everything in chronological order. So all of these changes, these subtle changes over time changed how everything operated and how we digested it and how we interacted on it. And if we isolate Twitter again, go back to that and we talk about, okay, Twitter used to be this fantastic place where I could meet and talk to and share ideas and information and, and new creative things with all sorts of people all over the world all over the world. It didn't matter where they were. I could, I could send them a message and back and vice versa. It was great. And then somewhere along the lines, it became the place to get news. Okay, now let me tell you my thoughts about that. And this is my opinion. Take it or leave it. One of the comments I saw from someone the other week when there was this big fear that Twitter was going to go boom, was going to go poof, rather, Someone said, I don't know where I'm going to get my news anymore. And my first thought was, if you're getting all your news from Twitter, that's a little scary. Sure, you can get a snapshot. Maybe you can get a high level idea or a sentiment around a story if you're following a, a, a community's police a tweet feed. Twitter feed, <laughs> then perhaps you're getting up to the minute store. There have been moments where, yeah, I've followed local police stations, Twitters, if there's a particular story that I really want to stay on top of, because they're obviously, they're updating things as they know, right? It's an evolving story. You want to know the latest. That's different. And I've done that very, very rarely. But you know what? If you're getting all of your news from Twitter, yikes, you're not getting the whole story. You are getting flashes. You're getting quotes, probably almost certainly taken out of context. You're getting other people's ideas on things. It's like the game of telephone. Do you remember that when you were a kid? You'd sit in the room with all your peers and someone would start something at one end of the room and they'd whisper it in someone's ear. And then by the time it gets to the other person on the end, it is a totally different story and it makes no sense. And it's totally different than what the first person said. That's what Twitter does, unfortunately. And I think that's what social media in general can do. And this is why I always tell people, I say, you know, and some people are really good about considering where they're getting their information, news or otherwise. And I'm like that. I, I'm like, you know, maybe you should think about it, kind of widening your world a little bit and not just getting everything through this very narrow scope because you're not getting the full story and you're probably not getting an accurate one. Again, just my opinion. But that's what happened. 
That's what really began to happen on Twitter, especially the last few years. We began to see things taken extraordinarily out of context. And then the animosity started. And then the fighting started. And then the accusation started. And the name calling started. And the anger started. And the, the threats started. You see where this is going? It escalates. And this isn't just Twitter, but this is the one example I'm using, is that this shifted so rapidly on Twitter, uh, yeah, people started to really hate the platform. And I remember the days where people just kind of ignored Twitter. Twitter was never the behemoth that Facebook became, right? Or YouTube. Twitter was never in that, in that realm of user base, but it had a lot of power. It introduced the world to the hashtag. It, it did popularize that idea that you can get your news in a very succinct, fast way. And when it comes to weather updates and stuff, that's phenomenal. That's fantastic. But what about the bigger stories? What about the stories that require more than just a quote? Yeah, you can link to them. But guess what? A lot of people aren't clicking on those links. They're reading the quotes and they're reading the one two-sentence comment as absolute fact. And that is dangerous. So that shifted how we digest social content in general, I think. And maybe that's part of the reason why for a while on Instagram, I would post an image and write an incredibly long description caption for that image, especially during the pandemic. I was all about reflection and how am I going to get through this and how are we going to get through this? There was a lot of introspection happening. And I think subconsciously I was thinking, I want to put more out there. That was another discussion my colleague and I were having is that she thinks that the brevity of things is actually going to shift and turn around again to where we crave more on social media. And it's not just about brief moments that are really satisfying, but something that perhaps actually means a little bit more. The evolution of that kind of sharing and that kind of networking. It could happen. I don't think she's wrong. I think there's already people who are consistently putting out content that is more, that has more weight and has more meaning and has more of a story to tell. It's fun to get brief content that comes in a flash and it makes you laugh or it makes you smile. And sometimes it leaves a lasting mark and an impression. But I, I think for me, especially the stuff that lingers longer is it's the content I really find myself lingering on and staring at and taking in and reading multiple times or watching multiple times. It's something that really tells more of a story. So how do we get back to that point where we're telling more of the story that's truthful and a more of a positive story? At the beginning of this, I talked about how Social media has changed because the perception of it and the sentiment around it has changed, but that happened because social media changed. It's this interesting cycle where it has the power to influence trends of the future. So if we actively make a decision to start sharing things, not just to share them, you know, I've talked about quality versus quantity. I've talked about being thoughtful about what you share and how you interact with the stuff that is shared. But if we make a conscious effort to shift the perception of platforms like Twitter or the way they're used or what we're doing there, what kind of impact will that have? 
down the road? How will it change things? We're already starting to feel it. We're, we're starting to feel, I think, with a combination of all of the stress and the things that have happened to the entire world these last few years, there's been such a change in the tone of social media that it's long overdue for some drastic revival of some kind. And I don't know what that is. It's kind of like the music industry. Everything's always evolving and shifting. And, and a lot of that is because of the technology that's changing. Remember when cell phones started to, you could take pictures with them? Do you remember when you couldn't with a phone? That all you could do was, was make a phone call and maybe send somebody a text. My very first cell phone was this little Motorola flip phone. No, it wasn't a razor, although I had a razor as well. But I had this little Motorola flip phone that had this bubble popping ringer sound. And I could send texts on it. That's about all I could do on that thing. And in a way, I kind of miss that little phone because it kept my focus on the things that mattered more. You know, it's so easy to get lost in social media and, and the black hole of content that it's inevitably going to offer you no matter the time of day, wherever you are in the world. It has changed the way we live. Social media, computers, cell phones. It's not the same. It's not the same. I said this wasn't just about social media because it's not. It's about everything. The world is not the same. Little side story. Just last night, I decided to play, dig into a bunch of MS-DOS PC games I used to play as a kid. I have a whole episode dedicated to my favorite games. What did I call that episode? It was like a year and a half ago I did an episode. It was something about play the game. Or I think I said that because obviously that's Queen. But anyway, I found this platform where you can play these MS-DOS games for free. Games like Scorched Earth and King's Quest and Space Quest. I was playing all of these games last night. Not in their entirety, because if you're familiar with any of those games, you know that they're very long and there's a story involved and there's a lot of, there's a lengthy process of getting through the game, especially with King's Quest and their adventure games, right? They tell a whole story. You are a character. But anyway, I was playing these games and I particularly got lost in Scorched Earth because you can play the computer. And you're basically bombing each other from either side of the screen. And I forgot how many different kinds of, you know, like napalm oil and these digger things that go through the earth. And anyway, it's, it's kind of crazy what you can do. I was playing SimCity, the classic SimCity. And I thought to myself, wow, such nostalgia. The soundtracks, the sounds took me back. I felt like I was 10 years old. I was like, wow, this feels like yesterday. And still, after I was done and I closed my, uh, my laptop and I put it away, I thought, it's not the same. In the moment, I'm in it, and it kind of takes you back, but it's not the same. It might be the same. Those games are the same. You know, they look the same. They feel the same. They work the same. Simple. But it's not the same because you've changed. We've changed. And that stands to reason that if things feel different and are different because we change, well, maybe we can change for the better. Maybe we can take these things that have become toxic 
like so many things on social media. Maybe we can take these things that have become breeding grounds for attacks and threats and nastiness, and we can shift that. It's never going to be easy. It might be impossible to get rid of all of the negativity out there. In fact, we know that. This world is going to have it in it. That's just the way of things. So how do we emphasize and get people to focus on that goodness and stop worrying about the stuff that is nasty out there on these platforms or in the world? What can we do? What can we share that's good? How can we connect with people in a way that's genuine and real and inspiring and encouraging? How do we do that? I think you guys know how. It doesn't even take that much. You know, it doesn't require you to share something every day. It doesn't require you to be on something all the time. It just means that you have a little bit of a mission, if you will. You have a mindset. Maybe it's part of a a routine that you have. And you think to yourself, okay, once a week or twice a week, I'm going to do this. And I'm not commanding you to do it. No, this is absolutely up to you. But I think as a whole, those of us that are on social media in some capacity, and that is pretty much everyone, don't we have, don't we owe it to ourselves to make it better? To focus on the ways that it can be good and it can be inspiring and it can make us dream more. And it can give us that kind of anticipation and that success that we long for even professionally. Twitter was my music networking life for a while. Even more than other websites where, you know, I worked with an A&R company. I was on another website that I was able to network with musicians. I got a gig through that. But Twitter was something else entirely. And I've told you guys how I, I had a response from Beck. I think I also had a response from the actor Jimmy Simpson on Twitter once. The voice of Siri followed me. <laughs> it, was, it was crazy. The way that you could just connect, talk with anyone. That was revolutionary. And I think people who've grown up with that don't understand what it was like before. There were walls. There was red carpet, red tape. <laughs> you couldn't get around that stuff. If you wanted to send a message to someone, you had to jump through hoops. And suddenly Twitter was there. And suddenly the doors were blown wide open. And suddenly people started using that for really negative, toxic reasons. Because the opportunity was there. And it's so easy to slide down that slope. But we got to climb back up that slope. A little effort, yeah. A little conscious strategy. Not just flippantly sharing things. Although if it's positive and funny and fabulous, by all means. It's not the same. And it's never going to be the same. But maybe it can be something new. Something different, something good. That's, I think, where I'm going to leave this today. I have rambled enough. (laughs) And I'll be back next time, hopefully with some queen. And it's going to be a fun one, I think.
Hopefully you guys will enjoy it. But anyway, ladies and gents, wherever you're listening from, thanks for tuning in. And I will be back next time. I certainly hope you all are well. And I hope you're feeling the goodness, that jive of warmth and happiness that can find you. I was in a little bit of a slump for a while. I think I sort of still am, if I'm honest. But I'll find my way. And you guys will too. All right, guys, that's a wrap. Until next time.